Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host Max Cantor and today on the show I have an Atlanta-based stand-up comedian. She's produced multiple, multiple shows such as the Schlitz and Giggle Stand-Up Comedy Showcase and Date Night, a sensual comedy experience. And she's performed at many festivals all around the United States such as the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival, the Women in Comedy Festival, the Memphis Comedy Festival, and the Hell Yes Fest. Please welcome to the show Jen O'Neill Smith. Smith. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, I have to say, the Hell Yes Fest was, I, I just included it in your bio because I thought it was fun to say. The Hell Yes Fest. It is fun to say, and it was a fun, it was a fun festival. We had a great time. Where, where was it? Where did it take place? It's in New Orleans. Oh. Yeah, it was, I was on the one in, I, I want to say 2016. I think I did that one. Okay. Do you know yeah. how they got the name or how it came about? Because it's good. It's catchy. I I don't know. I think they I that I don't know. I think they just they also thought that it sounded catchy. <laughs> <laughs> Do have you done a lot of festivals over your comedy career? Yes, I have done a lot of festivals. Um, I have done. I'm actually next week is the. Um, Laughing Skull Comedy Festival mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. This will be the third year that I've done it. Um, I've done uh, Limestone, uh, Bird City, Memphis Comedy Festival twice, Slap Your Asheville Off, uh, which now I think they're just calling the Asheville Comedy Festival. Um, this year I did the North Carolina Comedy Festival. I've done, uh, gosh, uh, I did Devil Cup in New York. Um, just a ton, <laughs> wow. ton of different festivals. But um, and then uh, Red Clay, Red Clay Festival is always fun. That's here in Atlanta as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, lots of festivals. Wow. Good time. Do, and lots of t-shirts. Do you lots ever get? T-shirts. Do you get tired of performing at festivals, or each time it's a brand new fun experience? Uh, each one is a brand new fun experience and it depends on the festival. Some are like, okay. And then some are so much fun and it's the best time. And, and I've kind of, um, through doing a bunch of festivals, I've met so many amazing people in different cities and there's, now I have like a lot of really good friends, um, that are comedians that I see, um, you know, mostly at, festivals um oh accidental comedy festival is another great one that just reminded me because I, like there was a lot of people that i love to see and and i got to spend time with them up there and and plus the festival is amazing so if you're a comic i would definitely submit to that um but yeah it's cool i've made a lot of really great friends i actually just got off the phone uh uh before i called you i just got off the phone with uh Jolie Munzer, who I've done like five different festivals with. So it's, uh, it's, it's been great. It's, it's, it's good to do. If you're like, if you're a comedian, I would definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. Is the process to apply to these festivals? Is it stressful? Is it, is it like applying to college? Um, it could be stressful. Um, it's, it just, a lot of them cost money to apply to anywhere between like some are free and, um, some are, um, 
like between 10 and, and it could go up to like $40 or more to apply. And so sometimes, you know, it's hard to, to like, um, when you get, you get a lot of people just get used to getting a lot of like turned down, um, emails because you apply to a million and hope to get into some, mm. it just depends on, you know, the secret is having a good tape, but, um, but yeah, when you get turned down for stuff and then you see your friends get on it, sometimes there's hurt feelings and, you know, you're like, oh man, I wanted to go to this one and cause I wanted to hang out with those people and it, I know it's a fun festival and so. Uh, yeah, so it's stressful when it's just when you're trying to get find the right tape to send in or trying to get a good tape. Mm-hmm. It's kind of stressful sometimes because you you might have an amazing set and you think you recorded it and then you check it and the quality is terrible or there's like one guy that ends up standing up <laughs> in the audience like blocked your whole video. Just you know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's hard to get that one good good video for sure right right so for most of these festivals the only thing that they're judging is this tape that you send in yep Uh uh-huh they'll look at you can send a bio in that kind of shows your credentials but honestly all nine times out of ten they're just watching the first few minutes of your video so if you don't have like a good strong like one to two minutes up top, they'll just turn it off because they have to watch like thousands of these tapes. Right. So, uh, so that's why it's really important to have a, a good video that is from, you know, especially in the first few minutes are really strong so that grab their attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. I talked uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, one of my episodes, I talked with Andrew George, who I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you know him. Um, he's the manager yeah. of the Laughing Skull, and he's one of the people who judges videos and grades <laughs> them for the Laughing Skull Comedy Festival. So he was oh, talking yeah. to me about how just the insane number of submissions and how he grades them and it's interesting, and I do want to ask you about this. He mentioned that when you watch all these videos, you start to notice joke trends, that there's like a, a lot of people will have very similar jokes. So when you go to these different regions for the festivals, do you recognize that like people in the Northeast tend to joke about one specific subject matter that's different from the Southeast and the West? Do you see that? You know – I've never really thought about that, but I like one thing that's blatantly obvious is like people from New York have a lot of subway jokes. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody's got a, some kind of crazy story about something that happened on the subway. Mm-hmm. But other than that, um, you know, I never really, I never really put all that together. I'll, I'll start paying attention to that, but, um, but I haven't noticed in other cities, but yeah, I've definitely noticed the New York, you know, New Yorkers just have a lot of really great anecdotes from just like New York city living. Cause it's like no other, you know? Right. Right. Oh, um, yeah, for but, sure. Yeah. Do you think, <laughs> but Oh, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, do you think that there is, like you said, um, for New York, they have kind of like the subway trend. Is there a trend for Atlanta that a lot of people joke about? Um, huh. Um, you know, I guess like, uh, I'm trying to, you know, there's just a lot of like a lot of Tinder jokes out there. A lot of, 
you know, online dating type jokes out there, but I don't know if that's, you know, specific to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, with Atlanta, you would think, you know, there's def- oh, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, one big Southern trend that's happening and, and has done really well for a lot of um, like people like Trey Crowder and Corey Forrester um, uh, from the uh, well-read guys. Um, mm-hmm. Like a, a lot of, it's like really great to see all these like liberal, like they call themselves the liberal redneck. Well, Trey Crowder calls himself, the, calls himself the liberal redneck. So there's a lot of like, really great people coming out of the South that are, um, are actually like the anti redneck or, or like, a, you know, a good old, a Southern boy, but with, um, you know, um, progressive mentality and, 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 or, and, or, or Democrats or liberals. So it, it, that's kind of a new thing that's happening that, or it's not necessarily new, but it's, it's been becoming more popular and it, and, and it's exciting and I, I like it. And I think it's really funny. And Trey Crowder has been like, and all of those guys have been killing it and um, all over TV and stuff. They're great. Mm-hmm. When when you start to notice, like, so you said, like, there's a lot of uh, jokes about online dating. When you start to see that, for, as the writer in you, do you try to say, okay, well, I'm going to stay away from that because I don't want to follow everyone else? Or do you say, this is the hot topic right now. Let me go in and talk about it. Yeah, I mostly stay away from other things that I see other people talking about. Okay. I try to. I try to like um yeah, but I know that for me it's different because I I've never been on Tinder before because I've been married for 9 years <laughs> and yeah. uh, or um and also like uh you know, I'm one of the uh few like there's only a handful of of mothers in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. There's like maybe four. Um, that are comedians. So, you know, we, um, so my material, I'm drawing from completely different experiences than everybody else around me. So um, I would say my stuff, my material is pretty different than my peers, but Mm -hmm. that's just because of um, where we are in life. (laughs) So you said, you said that uh, you're one of a very few mothers who are also doing stand-up comedy. Um, I see now, you know, while you when you're doing stand up, you're talking a lot about your family before you got your family. When you did stand up, what did you talk about? Did you focus on your personal life or did that come later? I actually didn't start doing stand up until after I had kids. Oh, interesting. So then, yeah, what, what made uh-huh. you get into stand up? Well, I've I've always like been um I've always been obsessed with stand up comedy and uh I've always like, you know, just a complete stand up comedy nerd. And um and I, it's always something that I've always wanted to do, but I I always thought that like um like I've had uh a person in my life tell me that I was funny in writing but I wasn't funny in person and so I just always believed that that that's you know, I'm, I'm, I write jokes. I write funny things. I've always been a writer and I write them for other people, not for me to do. Mm. And so then, but then when I was, um, uh, after I had kids, I, I just kind of wanted to get back into, I needed a creative outlet. And I told my husband, like, listen, I'm picking a day. And on Wednesdays, that's the day that I'm going to go and I'm going to sit at a coffee shop and I'm going to write. I don't know what I'm going to write, but I'm just going to write stuff. And that's my, going to be my creative outlet. And I was going to um, Java Monkeys, 
indicator to mm-hmm. write because it's by my house. And, um, and I didn't realize for like months that I was going to write that I was missing, um, the, um, open mic. Uh, well, it wasn't, well, now it's not an open mic, but it used to be an open mic. Um, Joel Byers, um, uh, funny monkey show. Right. I was missing it by like 30 minutes. Oh, and oh. then one day I just happened to be there and I watched it and I was like, Oh my gosh. And it totally inspired me. I was like, I'm going to sign up for this. And then, um, but I also went, um, when I do something, I do something like a million, like times a million, like all in. And so at the same, um, when I decided that I was going to challenge myself to to do stand up, I also had access to. Um, I worked for a company called. Um, I used to manage an apartment complex, and they owned the Highland Ballroom across the street. Mm. And so I had access to the Highland Ballroom, and that's why. And so then I just decided I'm gonna I'm gonna make a show too. <laughs> like not only am I gonna just start doing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a stand up comedy show. I'm gonna produce one, and I'm gonna find the best comics in Atlanta to be on this show. And I did. And then, um, and then to challenge myself to make myself start doing stand up, I put my name on the flyer as oh. the host. Oh, so yeah. So not to perform, but to, well, I did perform. I was hosting performing, but, um, it was like a challenge. Like I have to host the show myself. So I need to have some experience before I do this. So I, you know, plan the show like three or four months in advance. So I had that time period to hit up as many open mics as I could to prepare myself to host that show. Wow. And so, um, and then it just went from there, man, you really but, went from zero to 100. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> wow. Like you took off immediately. It went from, I'm doing nothing to like, I'm doing it all. <laughs> and, and, and how long was this time frame? Was it just a couple of weeks? <laughs> Um, well, from when I, like, I, I, I think I like got the idea and then the very next day I went into my work and I was like, can I have the, can I use the ballroom to throw a show? And they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. And then, um, and then I immediately, I was not on Facebook for years because I just kind of got, was over at Facebook and I didn't want to be a part of it. (laughs) And then I, I, I had, I knew that I had to get back on Facebook so that I could, um, find comics and mm-hmm. and ask around and find out where the shows were at and where I where I need to be going and um um you know and I already knew about shows like Star Bar obviously which is a famous show and mm-hmm. the Laughing Skull Lounge and mm-hmm. and so um but I went on back on Facebook after not being on it for like a couple of years and and then I my very first post was like looking for Atlanta comedians <laughs> and and then like my phone just like blew up um mm-hmm. from and and within by the end of the day I had like a really amazing lineup of um the best comics in Atlanta and some of them are really good friends of mine now and some of them moved to New York City and are on the Daily Show like they'll say phone it's mm-hmm. like it was just like um yeah it was just kind of a mix of people, but the show is, was amazing. It, it, and looking back at it now, um, now that I've been doing it for years, I look back at that and I'm like, what an idiot. (laughs) 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 Like, what was I thinking? Oh my God. I'm so stupid. But, but it worked. So, 
you know, and it was, it, it was boot camp. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. It definitely made me, it made me do it and it made me stick with it and it made me keep trying and made me work to get better and better because I, um, I wanted to be good for, I wanted to do, I know this sounds dumb, but I didn't, it's not like I wanted to be good for myself. I wanted to do justice to the comics that I was having on my show. I didn't want to do them a disservice by being really terrible. Mm -hmm. So I, I made myself work on it just so that I could, you know, at least like be a good host to these amazing comedians that were coming to do my show. Like I think on the second or third show that I did, Eliza Schlesinger dropped in. Wow. Uh, and yeah. And like, so we had all these, like, and then Eddie Pepitone came and on the show and it was just like, we had all these really amazing people because we had this cool show and a cool venue and a cool stage, but I was so brand new that I had to work at it so that I didn't ruin the show for everyone. Yeah. And I don't know if you've said it yet. Um, you may have, and I missed it, but what was the name of this show? Oh, the show is Schlitz and Giggles. Oh, that, I'm sorry. Oh, that yeah, was that was Schlitz and Giggles. Uh huh. Yeah. So, and so it, and it turned into a pretty nice show. It, it went, you know, we, it was, it became hot for a while, and we had really good turnouts, and amazing people came through. And then um, I just, um, it's a long story for why I stopped doing the show, but one of the main reasons was I would. Uh, say that the sponsors weren't great and I didn't want to keep like promoting a brand that literally said to me, we don't even have the time to be talking to you right now. We don't care. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. Bye. (laughs) Like, (laughs) why am I like promoting you for nothing? And Mm -hmm. so I, so I was like, Oh, I'll come back with another name and blah, blah, blah. And I, and then I ended up just, uh, um, you know, me and, um, Ian Aber and Travis Jones um, started date night together and, and, um, and it go and it's, it's at my friend's restaurant, which is at the Brigantine and it's, that's become an amazing show and we love it. And I'm just kind of happy doing that mm-hmm. and then work and then doing my own stand up and traveling and doing festivals and all that good stuff. So, so with, with your Schlitz and Giggles show, how did you get the name and what does the name even mean? Oh, well, Schlitz is a beer. Um, it's like an old, well, it's like, you can still buy it. It's like, it's like cool now. It's like the new cool PBR. <laughs> I don't even know if it's cool anymore or whatever, but it used to be like, you know, a beer from the 1970s that mm. like, you know, everybody's all the dads and grandpas drank, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a shitty beer. Sorry, Schlitz. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, my brother, um, actually, my brother Bobby, he actually came up with the name. I was trying hard to like name, and I didn't know what. And uh, he came up with the name, and I was like, "Dude, I know, um, you know, one of my good friends is a buyer for a really big liquor store here." And I was like, "I wonder if I could get in touch with that company," and I did. And then, um, and then they were and in the beginning. They were all like super on board with it and they but they did the whole like we don't have money for you now but after a while we can start promoting uh, giving you money for the show you know they basically give us like free beer to give the comics or whatever mm. and so i was like okay and then like and then the show was like a total success 
and we were selling all these tickets and had their their name on everything and and then after the time frame happened after the year was up and I was like we've been doing this for a year this is how many people like we bring in all the time you've your picture uh, your logo is on all these pictures in front of with all these you know big comedians in front of it like can you you know give us anything you know or could you at least Oh, because they stopped giving us beer. Too. <laughs> I was like, we can't even get the free beer for the comics. And then they just responded with like, well, I won't say it's all of shit because I don't want to talk shit about the whole company. But this one person who was the rep was like, I don't even have time in the day to even be answering your email right now. I, like, we don't care. And so I was like, okay, well, then I don't care. Right. You don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But I'm not going to keep your name on all these things when you don't care. And I mean, you, you were the big winner in this because you succeeded in what you wanted to do. So you won. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I see it. Uh Um, yeah, it was like, it was time, it was time to move on anyway. Sometimes shows just run their course and, and you know, it's time to move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So now you said you didn't get started until, in stand-up until later in life. So going back in time to when you were like a kid and a teenager, where did you first develop your interest in stand-up? Um, I have been interested in stand-up since I was like a small child. I was obsessed with, um, with stand-up, with all comedy. I had like you know, Ellen's HBO special memorized. I had Margaret Cho's um, HBO special memorized. I like even like things I shouldn't have been listening to at my age. I I did. And I, I was, I remember, and I was obsessed with Saturday Night Live. I would stay up. I remember being like seven and staying up to watch, like sneaking up to watch Saturday Night Live. There used to be a show on NBC. It was like a kids show on Saturdays it was called name your adventure with uh, Mario Lopez and you could um, write in and um, and ask him like tell him what you want to do like the kids would be like I want to ride with dolphins and then they would make that happen and it was like name your adventure and I wrote in um, and, and I had to have been like I don't know maybe 10 years old but I, I wrote in saying that I wanted to be the first child host Saturday Night Live (laughs) (laughs) and um and he never uh wrote me back and I've never forgiven him (laughs) Mario Lopez Mario but so like yeah um so I um yeah so like as far back as I can remember it was just something that I don't know I just couldn't get enough of it Mm -hmm. were there any late night shows that influenced you in your comedy uh, well, the Saturday Night Live count is... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, a Saturday Night Live, I, it was just like, it was... That show was everything to me. Um, growing up as, like, a young child into my, like, early teens. And then I, I still watch her. I love Saturday Night Live. But, um, but then my early teens... I w- this wasn't like a late night show, but, um, well, the John Stewart show, I love the John Stewart show. Um, and then shows like, um, when the state came out, 
mm-hmm. um, that was mind blowing to me. <laughs> when the state came out, I that was the first time I remember watching a show and or watching something and feeling like, oh my god, I get these people because it's so absurd. The show is so absurd, but it's in the same t- at the in the same sense it made perfect sense to me. And I was like, Oh my God, there's other people that have my sense of humor. It was the first time I felt like I found people that I belong to. (laughs) Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I just like, so any, I still follow all of those people like David, anything David Wayne does. I love it. But, um, I, um, or like Michael Showalter and, uh, Michael Ian Black, but, um, all like that, those shows, like I loved Kids in the Hall too. Kids in the Hall was super, super cool, and I, I, I obsessed over that show too. But there was something about when the state came out that just friggin' blew my mind, mm-hmm. and um, and I had them all on tape, and um, and we would like I'd bring them to parties and stuff, and like make people watch, <laughs> yeah. and uh, but um. Yeah, but I guess that's not considered late night. But that was a very influential show to me. But Saturday Night Live, if you if that's considered late night, then yeah, Saturday Night Live was. I also had all of those tapes. I had like every box set you can imagine for Saturday Night Live. I had all of them and watched them obsessively. And I think like um, it was around like the. Adam Sandler, Mike Myers, Chris Farley, Rob Schneider, Tim Meadows days. Wow. Yeah. That were my, those are, I think those are my favorite. Now I do think it's interesting that you loved SNL so much and yet you didn't get into, I mean, you may have done it then, but like today you never got into sketch comedy or improv. So why do you think, it was stand up. Was it the writing aspect that you liked so much? I think it was just because it's a one man sport. Mm. And and it's um I so many times, um and I think that's why like nothing ever really worked out for me, but this is working out, is because every time I've tried to collaborate with anyone on anything, just you know, life gets in the way, people disappoint you, you disappoint people. It's like you have to, and then especially being um, uh, a mother and, um, you know, it, and, and I work full time. Like, it's just like I, I can only write at weird hours of the day. Like when things come to me and I, I have a, like a moment and, and, and it flows, then that's the only time that I have to like sit down and write it all down or just weird, like, nights that I can't sleep and, like, at 3 in the morning. But, like, it's when it's – when you need – you need other people for sketch and you need other people for improv. Mm-hmm. And I just – I work – I guess I just work better alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love other people. Yeah. And I like hanging out with other people. But collaborating is just – it's harder. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, stand up is the one man show. So you're you're doing yeah. you're that that's yeah. exactly what it is. Because you are right. I mean, uh when you do sketch, it is very very difficult to write 
completely by yourself. And then even when you finish, you still have a sketch with characters in it. So you're going to have to get people eventually. And then improv right. is, is all working with other people. But you're right. Sketch is the only, uh, I think, the only medium of comedy where the comedian is in 100% full control. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like if something, if a joke fails, it's my fault. If I say something wrong, it's my fault. And if it lands or if it, um, if I have a great set, it's a hundred percent, uh, you know, because I made it that way or cause I, I did a good job versus like, you know, not that there's nothing wrong with working in teams. It's just that for me personally, I like to know, um, what was, what I can own and what I can work on to be better and, and blame. And I can blame nobody but myself. Mm -hmm. Do you think so. that's why, cause I, I've talked to a lot of improvisers and I've talked to a lot of comedians and it's very rare. What I've come to realize it's very rare to have a improviser cross over into stand up and vice versa. So why do you think that is? There's a few really great ones, uh, especially in like there's some in in Atlanta. There's actually there's a couple. Their names are um, um, Sean and Kendi and um, Piper Romcore. If I'm not sure if you've met them, um, but they're um, they're both really funny, um, and they they're in the same improv troupe. It's called Six Kids in a Trench Coat. They're all hilarious, um, but they also both do stand up, and they're both very very funny in their like individually so i've seen it i've definitely seen it happen um but um i think i mean i don't i, I don't know where um i mean you'd have to interview them to <laughs> 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 see where their heads are but i think they're both great mm. um so i've seen it for sure but um and i and i would like to try i would like to at some point try sketch I don't know if I'm an improv person. I might try it, um, but or try a sketch. But um, I really just need um, maybe later down the line, if I have more time on my hands, I could dive into that. But mm -hmm. for now, because um, it's a craft, it takes a long time to like. I don't know. Hum? Is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, I have time for stand-up right now. I don't have time for the other things, but I, I maybe I might want to try it. So, and there, there's oh. a lot of stand-up comedians that then go on to do sketch, and um, and they do a great job. So you mentioned time and and having time to do. Um, everything that you want to do with, you know, working a full-time job and being a mom, having a family and doing stand-up. How do you find time to write? I know you mentioned like uh, those, those times where you can't sleep, but other than that, how do you find time to sit down with your comedy thoughts and get it all out? Um, I actually work better. I don't um, sit down ever <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I uh there's two ways that I um love where I used to where I used to work I was bike riding distance from my house and that was my writing time when I was riding my bike and I had no headphones on and it was just like pure silence and I would just think and then I would think of premises and um and um then by the time I got to my office and I would sit down and write it all down 
and then I would work it out at open mics. Um, but now, um, I, I have to drive a lot for work. So I'm, it's either if I'm driving around, but I walk an hour every morning, uh, cause I have this like really crazy cattle dog. And if he doesn't get exercise, he'll just tear up everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I walk him for an hour every single morning and, uh, in silence and just like complete silence. And that's usually where I think of things. Wow. Complete. Um, so, so no music, yeah. nothing, just it's you and your thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it just, that's the only way that I know how to like work my thoughts out just because life is so chaotic with like my job and my kids and shows I produce and then shows that, you know, and then doing stand up at night that the only time that I could like really have time to process my thoughts is just like that hour every morning of total silence. Mm -hmm. When you think of these ideas, uh, do you think of them as like a topic like, Oh, this would be funny or as specific jokes. Um, it's usually like, sometimes it'll just be like something that happened that, um, you know, that gave me an idea like, and something that happened or then, Sometimes it'll be because I'm just walking and processing my thoughts. Maybe I'm pissed off about something. Mm -hmm. And and then like in my head, I'm talking shit about this thing that happened yesterday or <laughs> the thing that happened last night. And in my head, I'm like, I don't even realize I'm writing. I'm just like talking shit to this person in my brain. And then that's when the joke forms kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um and, um, so I don't know, like some days things come really easily and, and a lot comes out, comes pouring out. And then some days it's just like nothing. And then I just turn on a podcast and listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, uh, I don't know. It just kind of depends, but it's, it's crazy how it, right when you think you have got nothing left, right? Like right when you think you're like, I did all the jokes I can do. I got nothing. I'm like, I got, I have nothing more and I'll never write again. It's <laughs> like, it's just when you think that's the case. And, um, then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like five minutes will come just pouring out of your brain. Mm -hmm. What, speaking of five minutes, what's the longest total show that you've ever done or your longest set? Um, my longest set was like 45 minutes. Um, wow. but I don't know if I had business. Doing it. <laughs> it was one of those things where I was a feature. So I was supposed to be doing like 25, 30, but then the headliner had not yet arrived. Um, so it was just like, go until they get here kind of thing. Ooh. So, um, it was like just pulling any, any and every joke I've ever written. And then, and then crowd working and mm -hmm. things like that for 45 minutes. Did it go um, well? Did it go well at least? I feel like it did. I feel like it did. Um, there wasn't really any moments where I was like, Oh my God, I'm dying. Yeah. Um, but I was definitely like, I kept checking the door. Like, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but it was good. It's like, I love having those, those challenges like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. So speaking about crowd and talking about the audience, um, have you ever been heckled before? Um, I, 
I've had I've had a couple of things like um one night I was hosting at Laughing Skull and before I could even get a word out, I think I said like maybe one sentence and this guy just started screaming like, you're cute, I want to take you on a date or something like that. But then uh, this uh, guy, Damien Networks there, uh, immediately shut him down and was like, hey, <laughs> we don't know I got here. I was like, okay. And so he immediately like, put that guy in his place but um and then another time there was um it wasn't a heckle but it was so it was i just i never experienced this before but i guess i was doing a benefit show for i was a guest on a benefit show for uh uh, liliana bakhtiari who was running for um city council here in atlanta and um she um I was at Star Bar, which at the time I was in the middle of my Star Bar residency where I was performing every Monday night for like six months straight. So I, I'm assuming that maybe this person that was at the Star Bar show for the benefit had been to a bunch of those shows. I'm not quite sure. Um, and maybe I guess had seen me perform a bunch there. I don't know. But as I was performing, she was yelling my punchlines out oh. before I said them. So like every, every single one of them, it's like she knew every single one of my bits and she yelled out the punchlines beforehand. And so that was definitely strange and had to, you know, try to politely get her to stop doing that. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and, and it was like, but I didn't want to like, I didn't want things to get, you know, I'm not really, I never like get real negative towards people on stage or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I was trying to keep it positive show and we were, everyone was having a good time. And I could tell that she was doing it in like a, yay, I know this one sort of way. Mm. Not like a, I could tell her intentions were not bad in, intentions. They were like excited that she knew all of these jokes. But then I was like, but everybody else doesn't yet. Right, right. <laughs> so wow. it was very strange. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, to me, that's almost even worse than someone like, it is worse. like commenting on like your personal appearance or like something like that. I feel like the punchline is even worse. That is, that's like worst case scenario. Yeah, it really is. Because like, at least if people come after me, I could, you know, come back at them with something right, or right. flip it or change it, or at least I'm still surprising the rest of the audience with my material. But it was like really weird that I like, you know, she yelled out everything before I said it. Yeah. It looks like you have a super fan. Congratulations. I guess. It's a positive. Well, that's the thing. Like if this person is listening, like I don't hate you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad at you. Thank you for knowing my jokes, but like it was very distracting. Right. Wow. Yeah. Man. Well, yeah. Has that ever happened since, or that was one time? No. Yeah, that was it. That was the one I mean, time. there's um, there's like one line of a joke that I do that um, I probably maybe I, I just need to stop doing it. But there's a, it, there's like a surprise, like twist at a on a joke kind of thing, and and mm. I someone has said that back to me before. So, but either they, 
have seen it before, or maybe it's just a really dumb, predictable joke, and <laughs> just, yeah. just stop doing it. <laughs> Man, I just, I just can't imagine. Like, can you? I mean, I'm sure you can't, um, but I can't imagine either. You're sitting in the audience of like your a comedian you respect, and you know the joke, and so you're like, "Man, I'm gonna take this moment and just yell out how this story ends, or what the how this punchline goes." Not caring what anybody else thinks or what the comedian thinks. I just can't even picture that thought process. It's like it's not a concert where you sing along <laughs> right. with your, you know what I mean? It's it's weird. But people, I don't know, people that don't, well, first of all, people that are drunk. I don't know if this woman was drunk or not. I have no idea. But we all know that at comedy shows, drunk people usually don't have any inhibitions or or sense of what's appropriate and what's not or etiquette um but uh where is it going with this i like i i i think that you know or sometimes there's people that are not used to going to comedy shows and they don't know what the etiquette is and there there are a lot of people I see it all the time where people just they think that that's part of the show is um, mm-hmm. yelling things, getting involved, like saying like ag- like the, uh, the, I've seen it a bunch where people like aggressively agree with you while you're telling the jokes like yeah, yeah. uh huh I know <laughs> like and it's a little bit distracting but at least they're on board I don't right. know but yeah uh- but. A lot of people confuse stand-up for being a conversation when it's not really a conversation. Yes, exactly, exactly. Like, they, yeah, they think that it's a conversation <laughs> and that it's a show that is involves the audience. Right. It's it's somehow interactive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you when when you say something and people are like, oh yeah, you tell them. Well, I am telling them. <laughs> I'm. This is. Yeah, my I know. I know. This is my show. Yeah, I totally get that. And I, that's a problem that I've heard a lot of different comedians who I've talked with. They bring up that issue where people, audience members, a lot of them, not, well, I shouldn't say a lot of them, but a good number confuse stand up as an art that involves some type of interaction with the audience when that's not what it is. Like when you're watching a play, you don't stand up in the theater and and say, yeah. say what happened. So what makes stand up different? Because it's one person with a microphone? It, like, And I think that with stand-up, too, you know, a lot of people, they do interact, like, the comedian interacts with the audience when they, if they're doing crowd work or if they're, you know, asking a question and, you know, or something like that. Um, But, so I think that they think that that means that if if the comedian is talking to the audience and the audience can talk to the comedian. Right. And um, that's just not the case. Nope. That's and so, not what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. There was a, um, uh, it was like a month or two ago, I was in Santa Rosa um, doing a show. Uh, and uh, there was a guy who was sitting in the front and he had his arms crossed, like, like across his chest, like really tightly. And he kept shaking his head the whole time and saying, nope, 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 during all of my sets, all of it. And um, just going, no, uh-uh, nope, 
uh-uh, no. And then I was just like, what the hell? This guy hates me. And it totally threw me off. And then after the show, I was like, oh, well, after my set, um, I was like, oh, my God, that guy in the front, like, just hated me. Like, and so then, and then after the show was over, the guy came up to me and he was like, oh, my God, you were so funny. Like, I was <laughs> like, you were hilarious. I was like, you were shaking your head and saying no at every single thing that I said. And he was like, no, that was me agreeing with you. <laughs> Dude, you need to figure out a new way to communicate that. <laughs> right. That is terrible. I know. I was like, I was about to freaking quit comedy forever, dude. Wow. But it's just funny. People are funny. Uh-huh. That is very true. Um, And sometimes yeah. they're, they're not funny. Like when they yell out your punchline. Then they're not exactly. So, then they're not so yeah. funny. Um, So how, how many years total now have you been doing stand-up for? Uh, I think only just four. Four years? Okay, well, that's solid. Yeah. So you've been doing it a good bit. You're not a rookie anymore. You're pretty established, and you've been, like we've talked about, going to different festivals and all that. So for you, um, what's your ultimate goal when it comes to stand-up? Um, my ultimate goal would be to um, make enough money to live on. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> they could have money to not have to uh, have a full-time day job, but I don't think that that's realistic. Um, who knows? But yeah, I just want to keep doing, I just want to keep doing stand up and getting better. And I just want to, um, you know, I don't know. It's like every comedians always talk about what their brand is. Like what's on, what's your brand? What's your, and like, I don't know what my brand is. Like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I just want to get to a place where like I know myself more as a comedian mm -hmm. to where I can say like what kind of comedian, you know what I mean? I just don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I, um, I just want to get more established and, um, I'd like to travel more. I'd like to, like I said, make more money, <laughs> <laughs> but, which doesn't happen in stand up, but, um, very rarely. Um, and yeah, I guess I just want to like, know myself more as a comedian mm. do you think after four years you have found your comedy voice um i think i've found i think i've found a, my voice and style definitely way more so than when i first started out but i do definitely think that i still have a lot more growing to do um it's funny because, like, you know, when a lot of people that I talk to that are comedians have been doing it for, you know, 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. So, like, for me to only be, you know, four in, that's like I'm still a baby, even though I'm older than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I, I just think I'm, I'm not – I'm definitely – I don't think of myself as I still think of myself as a rookie that has a lot more, a lot more to learn and a lot more to grow. Hmm. So today, um, who's your biggest influence, co comedian wise? Um. So, who, like, who influenced me growing up, or who is my biggest influence right now? Right now, today. Um. I absolutely adore um, Jen Kirkman. I. I love what she's doing and I love, um, I love how she, 
Um, her podcast is great. I think she's so funny. Um, and I, I think she, like she's able to churn out material, like good material and um, pretty regularly. And I just, I just really like her a lot. I've, I've followed her career for a while and I think she's really, really funny. Um, and um, let me see. Oh my God. And um, right now I'm, I'm like living uh, Tiffany Haddish is, I'm in the middle of her book right now, The Last Black Unicorn, and she's amazing. And I just, she just has the best energy and she's so funny. I love her. Um, and um, I think Bridget Everett is amazing. Um, there's, I'm naming all women on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there's a lot of like, um, I just worked with, um, uh, I'd seen him before. I'd seen him before, and I knew that he was funny. He was he won last comic standing a long time ago, um, but um, I just got to work with him um, for a weekend. Um, uh, John Heffron, and I was just like in awe of what a professional he is and how much amazing material he had. And I thought he was he was phenomenal. And um, and I also and this is um. And it's not just because he's from Atlanta, but Clayton English is a beast. And he won last comic standing as well. He's from Atlanta. Um, he's like the nicest guy um, in person. He's such a cool guy. So he's great. But he, like, I swear to God, he has like 10 hours of perfect, perfect material. <laughs> and even when he is just riffing, he is a genius. And I, I love watching Clayton English. So there, I just named two dudes on top of <laughs> But um, again, it's not just because he's from Atlanta. I, I swear he's, he's, he's just, um, I, I just, I'm in awe of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you named all good people. I approve. Yeah. Good, good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. So um, now I only have two more questions for you. Both are, are probably the hardest questions of this entire interview. Okay. Okay. So brace yourself. Are you sitting down? You might need to. I so, am. So here we go. So question number one is what is your favorite joke of all time? This could be a joke that you wrote or a joke you heard from someone else, but your favorite joke of all time. Oh, shoot. That is a big, big question. Um, what's my favorite joke of all time? Uh, gosh, I can't, for some reason, I know that it's supposed to be like a stand-up joke, but for some reason, this sketch is coming to mind mm -hmm. from the state. It was the tacos in the mailbox sketch. <laughs> Do you remember that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my God, that to me, that was like so fucking funny and so brilliant and absurd. Like, I, it's just absolute perfection to me, the tacos in the mailbox. Yeah. Well, okay. That, that was a good answer. I will take it. I will take it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And now the second joke for you, Jen, is if uh, you were to give one piece of advice to someone who eventually wants to be in your shoes, what piece of advice would you give them? Um, uh, to be in my shoes? 
Mm-hmm. These are not fun shoes. You yeah. sleep never. <laughs> Learn to sleep never. Um, no, um, I would say if you want to just be okay. Here's a, here, that's a good question. Okay, I have a good friends um, who are comedians, and they are having a baby. I'm actually throwing them a baby shower roast on Sunday. We're gonna roast their baby. <laughs> <laughs> And so they um, asked me, you know, they're like, how, how are you able to do it? You know, they're worried that when they're parents, they're not going to have time to do. So she's um, a seven. They're both improv. That's another example. This is another couple. Travis does, um, Travis Jones, he does um, sketch and stand up. And then Stephanie, his wife, does um I'm sorry, not, he does sketch, improv, and stand-up, and Stephanie does sketch and improv. And they're in an improv group together and a sketch group together. But um, they are worried that they're not going to have enough time um, with the baby. And, I like, my biggest piece of advice to them was just, like, you will need – it might seem like you can't do it, but when, you're, when you have a baby and when, when you're a parent, you're, you'll just crave an outlet you'll need to cling on to something that is just you and, 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 and your creative outlet. They're both creative people. They can do it. And plus another thing is people think you can't do it. Um, but I just substitute, I don't sit on the couch and watch TV ever. So like the hours where most people are like sitting on the couch and watching TV after their kids go to bed, that's just when I go do a show. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I come home and I'm like, most nights I'm asleep at, you know, 1030 if I go do a show at eight o'clock mm-hmm. and, um, and I just, I switched that out for sitting around watching TV. It can be done. You can do it all. <laughs> just don't sleep ever. And don't ever sit down. <laughs> That's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> don't sleep ever and don't ever sit down. <laughs> that Sorry, is, that was a really long answer. That is perfect. For, uh, a simple question. Well, I'll get that printed on a T-shirt. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is beautiful. So, Jen, if people want to follow your comedy career and maybe see you perform, uh, see you at some dates, uh, what's a way that they can find you online or see you in person? Um, I ha- I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Jen O'Neill Smith and Twitter, but I'm terrible at Twitter. I'm, I'm too old to tweet. Um, and no, I'm not, I need to learn to be better, but, um, I, um, but I also have a website, com, which I need to be better about updating, but I will be, um, all next week, um, on the laughing skull comedy festival, um, which you can go online and laughing skull the, the lineups and schedules, but I'll be around all week performing on that. Yeah, very cool. Well, Jen, thanks for being on the show. I I had a blast talking with you. Oh, you I did too. This is great. I feel like I feel like we're old friends. We exactly. <laughs> exactly. The best types of interviews, I'll tell you, the best types of interviews are where it just is like, oh man, it's time to end now. That's that's unfortunate. Yeah. And the worst types of interviews are where I'm like, all right, we are 15 minutes in and this has been a blast. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but no, we've been talking now for almost an hour and it feels like I just looked up at the time and I'm like, oh, 
It's literally been almost an hour of us talking. It doesn't feel oh. like it at all. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, this has been fun. Yes, well, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, to anybody listening, remember, you can visit us at our website at www.talkinglatenight.com. You can find us on Facebook at Talking Late Night. You can also find us on iTunes where you can rate and leave us a review. So thanks again to Jen for being on the show. Thanks to you for listening, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 